You're listening to a message from Christ's Covenant Church, where we are growing together in Christ as a caring community of disciple-makers. Thank you for listening, and please feel free to share this with others who may find it helpful. How are y'all doing? All right, thank you guys so much for uh, the opportunity to share with you guys today. Um, sorry about this. This is taken. It says the wireless is too weak. I don't know if it's going to work, guys. Sorry. Um, but I wanted to start, actually, this morning. Uh, how many of you guys uh, know how many people there are on this planet? Any ideas? Yeah, there's about, uh, I, okay, I think that's it. Sweet. Right on. Okay, yeah, a little round of applause. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, so this is my little iPad here. I'm going to show you dudes. Um, the entire world. There's about there's about uh, seven billion people on the planet. Awesome, that's us right there. You see that? Right on. Winona Lake, Indiana. There's about seven billion people on the planet, and uh, that's that's actually uh, that's more people that have ever died. I hear. Anyway, the internet, right? Um, but. Uh, how many languages do you guys think there are on this planet? Any ideas? I heard it over here. Yeah. There's like 7,000 languages. Okay. So Pastor Mark introduced us. Yeah, we are missionaries in Papua New Guinea. And in March, we're going to be going back there. And this is the route we're going to take. Uh, we're going to start here. Actually, we'll probably start driving in February. Um, and all of those little yellow dots, I don't know if you can see all those. Uh, we're going to probably hit most of those. Uh, on the road, uh, down here to Houston, boom, all right, and then on up, San Francisco, right there, um, this is my home state of California, and uh, we're going to just park it here at my parents' house for maybe a week before we hop the pond on over down to Oz, this is Brisbane, and this is, this is where you get the cheap flights to Australia, you fly into Brisbane here, and then uh, we're going to cruise on up. Boom, to Papua New Guinea. Now, a little interesting tidbit about Papua New Guinea. It's almost the same exact size as my home state of California, right? And I said that there's 7,000 languages on the planet. A thousand of them are in that little spot right there, right? It's on the third largest island in the world called Papua. That whole thing right there, we call it the bird. I don't know if you guys can use your imaginations a little bit. It looks kind of like an ostrich kind of running, right? Right? So we're going to cruise over here. There's only one international airport in the whole country, and that's Port Moresby right there. It's the most dangerous city in the world. Uh, and then from there, we're going to cruise on up to the back of the bird. My Wi-Fi is not working very good. So it's probably about right there. Coming in. You see that? Awesome. This is WeWAC. All right? And not all missionaries, like, live out in the jungle and do Bible translation and stuff like that. Um, some missionaries live here, and when we call them on the radio, they will, like, cruise into town and get our groceries for us. And then, and then send them back into the jungle. Um, we're going to fly right in here to WeWAC, the airstrip, the airport right there. I don't know if you guys can see that. It's kind of dark. Um, but from here, we get on this little bush plane. It's pretty much like a go-kart with wings. And... Then we cruise 120 miles interior, all right? And 
This here is the third largest river in the world. It's called the Sepik River, but uh, we call it the Septic because, well, it's the color of poop. <laughs> and uh, so we, we fly all the way in here and land our little go-kart with wings. I don't know if you guys can see it yet on this little tiny strip of land right there. There's not very many Google Maps pixels right there, but here it comes. Can you see that little scar on the earth? It's about two football fields long. And uh, we land our little plane right there and unload our groceries onto this river, the Sepik River, and we cruise down here. And this little uh, tributary, we cruise on up. This is called Walio. It, too, is the color of poo. Um, and it's about 14 kilometers as the crow flies from, from that little airstrip where we fly into uh, down into Pei, which is right here. Hope you guys can see this all right. There's about eight little pixels lit up right there. Can you see that? That's our house. Those are our houses that we built. Those little, like, tin roofs. And so that's where we're going in March. And there's about 300 people in our, in our tribe pay. And um, pull this up here. This is the bird. Can you guys see the bird? All right. So like I said, there's, there's a thousand languages um, in Papua New Guinea. This map here is the whole island of Papua. The left side is actually part of Indonesia. All right. And the right side, the east side, that's Papua New Guinea. And this map here is actually pretty up-to-date. It's got all of the language families. Now, I don't know how many of you guys brought your Bibles today. Uh, how many of you guys brought a German Bible because you thought you were going to read that? Yeah, probably not very many of us. Even though German is in the same language family, right? Like, not many of us can read the German Bible and, like, study God's Word in German. Right? Some of us, I know, can, but... So each and every single one of these little blobs on this map here has several different languages inside of it, probably. Now, we're lucky because our language family, this one right below Iwan, right there, there's a little, like, blob like that. That's Pei. And we only have one language in our language family. We're called an isolate. And we only have about 300 people in our language, and we're involved right now and taking the gospel to these guys. And it's been, it's been grueling work. Uh, we've had to learn their language, and they've never read or written in their language before, so we had to figure out which sounds their mouths made and which sounds deserved a letter in an alphabet so we could develop an alphabet and then teach them how to read and write in their own language so that we could translate the Bible and then they could read it and study it for themselves. So it's been a lot of work. We, uh, we moved there in 2012, and it's been, uh, we, we still don't have any believers. Uh, we still haven't shared the gospel with them because we've been so busy, so into learn, learning their language, learning their culture, and then teaching them how to read and write. So that when we do teach the gospel, we can point to the Bible, and we can be like, hey, we're not making this story up. This didn't come out of this white guy's head, you know. This is the real story that's been passed down from, I mean, man, isn't that amazing, guys? Like, 4,000 years after the fact, like, we have the Word of God in our language. How many, how many of you ever thought about where, where our Bible came from, you know? Who translated our Bible into English? 
Do you, do you guys know? We have probably like 300 translations in just our language. And each one of these languages, too, are different enough that they need, they need their own Bible in their own language. They need somebody to go and share the gospel with them in a language they can understand. And each one of these people groups, guys, is going gonna, is gonna to cost between 2 and $4 million. Two and four million dollars to reach one of these people groups, and and that's the easy part. That's the easy part because then you need to find between four and eight people young enough to take twenty years out of their lives to spend your two to four million dollars on Bible translation and church planting and literacy. Huge job, but. Uh, we are we're thankful, man. We are so thankful for you guys uh, that you guys are the arm attached to the fingers, which is us, right? Reaching across these borders, reaching across these oceans, reaching into these people groups to see the gospel taken to places it's never been before. And uh, that's what it's all about. And that's what I'm going to share with you guys today. Uh, as we approach the Christmas season and Advent, and we, t- we think about God actually crossing a border too, right? Between heaven and earth and coming down here, and what did it cost him? It didn't cost him two to four million dollars, you know? It cost him something else, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you guys will, oh, this is pay. Uh, this is what our people look like. That's not all of them, but we just took a picture as we were cruising away on the river. Um, so yeah, if you guys will open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2. You guys ever think about why we even bring our Bibles? <laughs> I'm just going to put the verses up here. <laughs> I'm thankful, man. God is so big. God is so awesome, right? That he has preserved his word uh, into modernity for us, you know? This is huge. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to dive into the text here. Verses 3 and 4 here. Paul's telling the Philippians, right? He's talking to these guys. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You guys got that? Paul here laying down the good word, telling us what to do. That's easy enough to, right? Easier said than done, right? I mean, but we can all understand kind of what he's telling us to do put ourselves aside right check our egos at the door and humbly like serve each other you know awesome we can do this paul thanks moving along in verse five through eight this is kind of the second section right this is where paul is telling us why why we should do all those things in the last verse why we should humble ourselves why we should put ourselves aside to serve each other And it's because Jesus, right, our shining example, the very first missionary, he did this better and he did this bigger than any of us could. So let's read here. Have this mind among yourselves as you're serving each other humbly, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, 
and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is huge, guys. This is, I mean, Jesus, right? Like, God incarnate, right? The God of the universe, the dude who, who made this world and all seven billion people on it, right? Who knit each and every one of us together in our mother's womb. Like, this guy made the world in six days, and then, like, as an afterthought, just kind of, eh, threw the stars up there. Like, we get one verse in Genesis about that. The stars. Like, we know how big the stars are, how far away these things are. And this is just, like, an afterthought to this dude. And, and Jesus, like, having all of that, he, he left that to come down here, you know, and humbled himself. Like, if that's not humility, right, what, what is this is, this is huge, and this is what Paul is telling us to do. It was harder for Jesus. It was harder for Christ. He had way more to, to lose, to humble himself, to come down to us and, and rescue us. But he, he did it. He willingly did it. And even to the shameful death on the cross. Yeah, here in the West, like, we, we think about the, the physical torture and the physical pain. That the, that the cross was, was you know, the death on a cross and, and how painful and how, how torturous that was. And absolutely, it was horrible. But you guys, like, the point even being made here is, like, it was shameful. Christ humbled himself, right? Put apart, uh, put aside his honor, put aside his, his identity, and humbled himself. And became shame. Was it crucified, right? Like naked, hung up there on a cross. In front of his mom. In front of his, his brothers and his sisters. The shame of the cross was just as bad as the pain. Moving along. But, uh, so Paul tells us these things to do. He tells them why... He tells us why to do them, because Jesus did them better. Jesus did them first. And now Paul's telling us what, what Jesus' Jesus's reward looked like for, for being obedient, for enduring the shame of the cross. Here he goes. He says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is huge, right? This is, this is even, you get like a kind of a whiff of, of mission here, you know? God's, God wants every knee to bow and every tongue to confess. And every tongue, tribe, and nation, right? That's part of it. And <laughs> it's crazy because in return, right? In return for that, that humility and that death and that obedience, even to death on a cross, to shameful death on a cross, Jesus is given a name? <laughs> like, what the heck is that, right? Have you guys ever thought about that? What, what is a name? How is that, like, a reward? Uh, Shakespeare says, uh, a rose by any other name, it smells sweet. 
And uh, he says also in um, Othello, he says, reputation, reputation, reputation. Oh, I've lost my reputation. That immortal part of me is gone, and what remains is bestial. And Shakespeare's saying here, guys, he's saying that this idea of name that Christ is rewarded with, this idea of name is, is attached to honor and reputation. This is all tied up in the same thing. This is, this is what, what Paul is talking about here. This is what is given to Jesus for his, his humble obedience to death on a cross. And I want us to think about this a little bit. Um, I want us to kind of get our heads around this idea of name and, and honor, but in order to do that, I have to tell you a story. <laughs> you guys ready for this? All right, so uh, I was in ninth grade, and I was kind of a late bloomer, so I don't know how many of you dudes were like, you know, in, into girls or whatever in ninth grade, but not me. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was actually a Boy Scout, and because I was a Boy Scout, no girls were interested in me either, you know? <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, dude, I loved it. You know, shooting bows and arrows, shooting guns, and all of the stuff that Boy Scouts do. Every year, though, we'd go to this thing called Camporee. Have you guys ever heard of this? It's a big old Boy Scout competition. I was living in, like, Southern California, so, like, we had all the Southern California Boy Scout troop dudes, like, come into one campground to, <laughs> to compete, you know? How fast could you start a fire by rubbing the sticks together? Or uh, how fast could you put up your tent? Or row across the lake in a canoe, and I, I loved it, you know. I've had my fill, though. <laughs> like, the jungle, man. I'll <laughs> do it to you. If I never saw another tree ever again, like, I'm serious. I would, yeah, I'd be ecstatic. But, yeah, so I'm a Boy Scout, and uh, Camporee is four hours away. So we pile into my Scoutmaster's 1999 Jeep Grand Cherokee, and, uh, what do you do for four hours with a bunch of dudes on your way up to Camporee? Well, uh, I was super into punk rock and ska, and so we like uh, we just listened to music for you know hours at a time. But you know, after two hours or whatever, like kind of getting bored of the same old tunes playing. And so, what do you have to do, man? You have to pull out the CD book. You know what I'm talking about? And Boom! Like this thing, this huge CD book, and you open this bad boy up, and we used to collect these things, CDs. They're kind of like, they're kind of like pancakes, but they're silver, and there was like a slot on the dashboard of most cars, and you stuck this thing in there, and when you press play, like the musics would come out of the speakers. It was pretty amazing technology. Like what happened to those things, man? Do you miss the CD book? But, uh, we're, like, totally bored of the music that's going on, and so we're, like, looking for some new, some new tunes to, to play. And so I find this CD, you know, and I pull this thing out. I've never heard of this band before. And it says on there, it says, it says Foxworthy. I'm like, dude, what does Foxworthy sound like? Let's, let's throw this in and see what happens. So uh, I give it to my scoutmaster, and my scoutmaster, he slides it into the slot and presses play, and uh, I hear this hit coming through the speakers, and he goes, he goes, if you've ever been accused of lying through your tooth, you might be a redneck. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, where's the guitar, you know? Like, 
this isn't what I signed up for. So the next joke, he comes, uh, if you've ever taken your dog for a walk and you both use the tree on the corner, <laughs> you might be a redneck. And I'm like, okay, all right, I, I get it. Like, this is kind of, I could do this for a couple more hours, you know? It's not the Ramones, it's not, you know, my green day, but we'll do it, you know? And uh, so the next joke, though, seriously, like, get this. He goes, if you have to climb a water tower with a can of paint to defend your sister's good name, you might be a redneck. <laughs> and you guys, that one went right over my head. <laughs> I totally did not get that one, dude. It was, I'm, I'm serious, it was years later. It was probably in 2003 when I was cruising out uh, to, to Michigan to go to Bible school. And I saw my first water tower. You know, California City Boy, like, the only water towers I've ever seen are on TV. You know, like, is, oh, that's a real thing, right? Okay, but sure enough, dude, cruising down the road, and I see up there, man, some, some poor girl's honor besmirched <laughs> on the top of that water tower. And I was thinking, you know, I thought about this joke, and I was like, Somebody ought to get, there, get up there with a can of paint. <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy was right this whole time. Like, what the heck? But, um, yeah, this, this, this story really does have application to this passage. I want to, <laughs> I promise. Um, but, yeah, like, this, this whole idea of name, right? This whole idea, this whole idea of honor. Um, it's totally your, your reputation, your... Uh, is, is, honor is, is like a real thing. And it actually like underpins, it's like the undertow of the, the whole entire Bible. Yeah, our, 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 our problem is we have a sin problem, right? The fall. And, and, but part of the consequences of that, part of the outworkings of that is, is that, that shame is, is a real thing that we all deal with and, and, and permeates our lives. And that was part of what, Christ came to do is rescue us from our shame, from our shameful situation. So, Christ, or Paul tells us to humbly serve each other, humbly love one another. Why? Because Christ did it first. And Christ was given a name in return. He was given this honor, this glory, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day. And so, um, in order to kind of illustrate this whole name idea just a little bit more, uh, I want to go back into the Old Testament. All right, First Samuel, chapter one. I don't know if you guys know this story about Hannah. She's barren, and and, and back in the day, uh, a woman's honor, a woman's identity and reputation was tied up in her ability to provide an heir for her husband's family, right? To make sure that, that the wealth and the, the, the stuff that the family accumulated, accumulated uh, the land got like, kept in the family after everybody you know, started to die. And this was, this was huge. Hannah was honor besmirched, right? Like she was probably enduring some uh, uh, um, barren shaming you might call it, you know? And she is weeping bitterly, and she's begging God for honor. And so uh, I'm going to read her prayer for us here. 
She says, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all of the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. She's she's, uh, praying to the Lord. She's addressing him as Lord of hosts, this honorific title. And she's telling God, man, hey, I'm in, I'm in a bad spot here. I'm, I'm nothing, you know, without a kid. I, I, I'm, I'm in this, this horrible way. But you, and she even calls herself several times, she calls herself a servant, this, this humbling, I'm so low, you know. And she acknowledges God and she addresses him as, as the Lord of hosts. Now, I don't know if it, about you guys. I mean, you guys have probably... You guys have probably read that a couple of times in your Bibles. But uh, I always, like, that was lost on me, too. What what the heck is a Lord of hosts, you know? Um, Those those cute waitress girls who come and take you to your table uh, and make sure you have water before your server comes, right? Like, that's a host. I know the Greeks and the Romans, they had gods for everything. Was there a god specifically of these, like, little waitress girls? (laughs) That's not what he's talking about here, actually. Uh, surprise, surprise, right? No, she's addressing God as, as the Lord of hosts. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have the message. It's a, it's a paraphrase of the Bible. It's not actually a translation of the Bible. And the guy who did this thing uh, actually recently just passed away. But he spent his life paraphrasing the original languages of Scripture into English. And he doesn't translate here uh, the, the Lord of hosts that we see in like the ESV, he doesn't translate it as Lord of Hosts. He translates it as as God of the Angel Armies, and that kind of like sings to me, man. I mean, it, it probably doesn't sing to you if you think that angels are these little naked babies with uh, heart-shaped bows and arrows and stuff. An, an angel army, right? That's that's not intimidating at all. You guys have probably all seen the Avengers, right? What did angels say to humans as soon as they encountered them? Like the first thing out of their mouths was always like, fear not. Because angels are, are fearsome at the very least. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking like the Incredible Hulk, right? 10, 15 feet tall. Like this is, this is an angel, right? This is... This is what's in Hannah's mind. This is what she's thinking. You know, millions and millions of, of incredible hulks. These angels, these angel armies. And, and all of them, man, just taking a knee to their commander-in-chief. Like, whatever, whatever you want us to do. Like, that's power, guys. That's honor. That's what's being talked about here. And you guys, that is what Christ left. That is what Christ left to reach down to earth, to cross the boundary between heaven and earth. Reach down to us and pull us out of our shame. And so, um, that's all I got. Uh, Well, uh, not quite. But (laughs) um, I didn't choose this verse for for no reason, guys. Um, The Lord wants all of us to be involved in reaching across these barriers, reaching across these borders. Maybe they're, maybe they're social, maybe they're linguistic, maybe they're cultural. 
Maybe they're political borders between nations. But that has a cost. Whether you're sharing the gospel with the person next to you on the airplane, or uh, the chick next to you on the bus, or, you know, whatever, there's, there's a cost incurred. And, and maybe that cost is social. Maybe that cost is, is a little bit of shame. Maybe that cost is a little bit of time. But there's always a cost incurred. It's probably not going to cost you 2 to $4 million, you know. But God wants us to be involved in engaging with that cost, just like Christ. Christ engaged with the cost. Christ took it on. And he left his honor at the gates of heaven on, the ways, on his way down here, right? And we're so thankful for that. But uh, just like Hannah, right? So maybe some of you guys are, are too old. I know some of you guys are too old. <laughs> to, to spend 20 years taking the gospel into some tribe that has never heard it before. Um, maybe God has you... you uh, bankrolling the operation. Maybe you're where the two point four million, two to four million dollars comes in, you know. Um, but maybe, like Hannah, right? Maybe your job is is actually giving your children and sacrificing, you know, twenty years down the road, time with your grandchildren because you've trained your kids to do this job. You've trained your kids to cross these borders and take the gospel where it's never been. Maybe that's your part. So, I really am wrapping up. Uh, I was just to encourage you guys, really, um, to engage with, man, what it costs Christ to become flesh, and what it's going to cost you guys to become Christ for the rest of the world. That's all I got.